Friday and you're listening to TGIF, the podcast that brings you all the hilarious conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies. I am your host, Kat, and this week I am joined by the lovely Rachel. Hello and welcome to TGIF. Hello, it's so good to be here. It's awesome to have you. I'm really excited. I am too. I'm so excited to talk about, yeah, one of my favourite movies of all time. So, I'm yeah, I'm stoked to talk about it. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and... How you been? Yeah, so for my day job, I work at a record store here in Boise, Idaho. Uh, I am a buyer and then also work the counter, selling records all the time. So that's my day job. And then uh, I also do a lot of freelance writing about horror films and I guess films in general, uh, mainly for uh, Nightmare on Film Street, as well as Rue Morgue. And then uh, some, you know, spinoffs here and there. But those are kind of my two homes at the moment. Uh, yeah, writing about horror and specializing in film scores. Oh, film scores. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love, I mean, it makes sense. My two loves are like movies and music. I work at a record store. I collect records. I collect soundtracks. And then um, obviously I love movies. So being able to kind of join the two and write about the art of film scoring because that's really how I see it. I see it as truly like a special art form that doesn't get appreciated enough. So I love really diving into scores and talk about, you know, how they work and why they work and how important they are to the films that they're in. Wow, that's awesome. I am um, I was a classical musician through like my childhood and early teens. And so listening to a film score, I'm just like, this is this is beautiful and I love it. And so I'm a huge fan of Denny Elfman. So oh, yeah. he'd probably be my favorite composer. So Oh, I, nice. Yeah. I um, For my birthday a few years ago, I was given tickets to go and watch the Sydney Symphony Orchestra play his um, Tim Burton scores. And oh, it was wow. just so beautiful. And I sat in the front, I got front row tickets and I was just like in tears the whole time. <laughs> That's immediately what I was thinking. I was like, I would be sobbing the whole time because like just, yeah, the, his textures and his yeah. emotions that he, put in, he puts into his work are just so incredible. And to like see that live, like I can only imagine what that felt yeah. like. Because I love the Edward Scissorhands score. Mm -hmm. um, it's just so dainty and very emotional and then also haunting as well. It's just, oh, gives me goosebumps. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, totally. I can totally see that. It's, yeah, it's such a powerful medium and, you know, it can, you know, a film score can make or break a film in so many ways. And when it's good, like it's so good. And yeah, I really just, I just want everybody to just appreciate it for how incredible it is because it definitely is an area of music that deserves all the love. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cause I am, um... Uh, yeah, I love like Hans Zimmer's work. He is, he is just, uh, I don't even know the word. <laughs> like, I mean, he's a beast. I mean, yeah. you know, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of big names out there, but he's definitely one of them. You know, he's up there with Ennio Morricone and Jerry Goldsmith and John Williams. Like he's right up there with them for sure. Un unquestionably, like one of the icons and he's, just cranks out so many scores too. Like, I mean, behind every composer like him, there's probably 15 other people helping him. So oh, I do want to like, you know, it's not all him, but he's cranking out stuff left and right. Let me tell you, like, it's pretty amazing how many 
killer films that he's been a part of even in the last like five years yeah what would be your favorite movie score so i always say that my favorite one is rosemary's baby by uh christopher cometa and that's really because well number one it's beautiful like i don't want to you know make it sound like it's not but it's also like the first film score that really got me looking and like noticing film scores like it really was the one the first time that I really paid attention and it kind of I guess it caught my attention I guess is a better way to say it and just really hooked me on the power and the you know the odd strangeness and how much it can really contribute to a film and a character and really guide you and it got me looking at other film scores so for that I'm always grateful because before that, I think that I didn't really appreciate it like I should, I guess. And so that one always holds a really special place in my heart for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I um, I recently watched It Follows because everyone raves about the score for that film. And yeah. so I watched it and I was like, I can see why. <laughs> oh yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, that disaster piece. And I think it was a really interesting choice to use him because he did so many like, video game soundtracks so it was really cool to like see him do like a film score and yeah it's intense like if you listen to it without the the film i have yeah yeah (laughs) it's like whoa this is this is some serious like electronic stuff going on it's yeah it's a great it's a great score i think it has a vibe (laughs) oh yeah it's got some serious vibe and i think like down the road it's really going to be appreciated and like considered like a modern classic i think the, the, both the film and the score but i think yeah. that it, you know they go hand in hand the um yeah the score is definitely something very different to what we're used to seeing well hearing yeah. sorry in a in a horror film like the synth yeah. and the like the yeah i don't know the electronics and everything about it i was just like i am here for this <laughs> he, you know he does a really good job too because yeah like electronics and synth and in in film I mean, it has a long history and especially like in the science fiction realm. But what I like about Disaster Pieces score is the way that he really like modernized it. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he's still using a lot of, you know, the, you know, the technologies that have been around for a long time, but he's, it really sounds very of the moment and not like he's trying to emulate, you know, the kind of those classic like eighties horror scores with like the cheesy synthesizers yeah. and stuff like that. Like it, it sounds very modern I guess it's big it's bold it's aggressive it's got modern sounding I don't know what he's using exactly but it sounds very of its time and I think that I think that's great yeah I definitely appreciate it and I hope that you know like you said over time it will become one of those pieces of music in a movie that everyone is like yes oh yeah for sure yeah and um speaking of composers Christine's soundtrack was composed by John Carpenter, which is no yes. surprise because it definitely has a Halloween feeling to the entire soundtrack. So Yeah, that's one thing that I love about, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like John Carpenter, but one of the reasons why I do like him is that I appreciate his like, why would I pay somebody else to do it if I can do it myself? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's why he did the first Halloween score was just the fact that like, he didn't really have the money to pay somebody else. And he knew how to play music. So, all right, I'm going to like call up my buddy, Alan Howarth, who's like a tech gear, you know, gearhead. And we're just going to do this ourselves because 
that's what we have to do. But I do think that it's really cool that he continued to work on his own film music, even when he did have the means at his disposal to hire somebody else. I, I think yeah. it's cool. And that even now to this day, like he's still writing and performing music. So I think that that's, I think that's great. I think it's fascinating and it just, I don't know, it makes me happy to see him like doing, not, not like I know him personally, but it makes me happy. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm, I'm glad he's still doing that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, because he's quite a diverse director. Like he has his hands in like all these different pots and it's just really cool to see someone have that skill range to be like, you know what? I believe in myself enough to think I can do this myself. And that's yeah. just really cool. Yeah, I do think too that his wife, uh, Sandy King Carpenter is also, uh, she has a lot to do with that. That's my suspicion. You know, they say <laughs> about, you know, behind every great man or whatever. Um, and I think that she, you know, she does, she's the CEO of their like comic book line. And his son, um, Cody Carpenter is also a musician. So I think that's really like kind of what got him back into making music you know, in his later years, I guess in the last decade or so, like making music outside of films. Um, so I think, yeah, I think his family is important and I think they've really helped him diversify, I think, and to pursue those other things and give him a reason and an outlet to do it. That's my suspicion. I have nothing <laughs> concrete to back it up, but I have a feeling that's what it is. But it's wholesome. So I, I support that. So Yeah. <laughs> also, um, my... This is going to sound really bad, and I've never I've talked to guests about this, but never put it in an actual episode. My four year old niece has watched the 2018 release of Halloween because, oh, wow. like, nothing scares her. Like, no nothing. Um, uh -huh. She is autistic, so I think she sees things for what they are. Like, this isn't real. It's fine. So, yeah. um, in the scene where the theme is playing, and it's like the dance party. Yeah. Um, she was dancing to that in my house. And so now she likes the theme for Halloween because she associates it with spending time with me. So she'll Aww. dance to it. And I'm just like, this is really creepy. <laughs> but it's also very sweet. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, we watched um, Coraline last week. My nieces had a sleepover at my house and the seven-year-old was terrified. Like she had nightmares and I can't sleep, help. And the four-year-old was like, yeah, it was okay, I guess. Yeah. I was oh, just that's... like, even I got scared in that movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean it was okay? And she's like, oh, it was all right. That's so funny. Nothing phases her. Nothing. And I and that is that whole, like, she can, it's very black and white for her. It's real or it's not. And she just has that ability to. Yeah. Be... I was like, how are you, how are you not scared? <laughs> that's so fascinating. I mean, like, what an incredible way to, like, you know see the world and like yeah. be able to s separate those things and just kind of separate the emotions out of it a little bit I think that's I think that's really fascinating yeah she's my spooky soul sister <laughs> oh I love that that's so cute <laughs> let's uh let's dive into Christine so sure. just for Australian listeners um I watched this version on Foxtel now so I think it's on Foxtel on demand it's free you don't have to pay for it if you have a Foxtel subscription I couldn't find it anywhere. And so I was like Googling it and I was like, it's on Foxtel? Are you kidding me? Awesome. Oh, I'm so glad you found it. Yeah, I didn't even think yeah. about that. <laughs> like if, yeah, if you couldn't find it. Yeah, I'm glad you oh, found it. Oh, I could it. have hired it on YouTube, which is awesome. So oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm really excited about that. Um, the really cool thing I found while I was researching this movie as well is that 
this film went into production before Stephen King's book, Christine, was even published. So that was really cool. And it really speaks volumes to how popular Stephen King was at the time. Mm-hmm. Because he yeah. was a, a, a juggernaut of book producing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at, at this point, like he was in his prime, I think, personally. I'm trying to think about order of some of the books but I think yeah that was when he was really just on such a hot streak and you know I think that Christine as a film is really pretty true to the book there are some pretty significant changes but I think it actually in my personal opinion works better in the film because I think in the book she's more like haunted by the ghost of the original owner, I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, Ar- Artie something. I wrote it down, but I don't know what I've done with it. The, the guy that had the car before Arnie, I think he basically, his spirit is in Christine. I think that's what it is in the book. Yeah. But in the movie, she's just, it's never explained. And I love the ambiguity. You don't know why yeah. she's bad. You don't know why she's the way that she is so possessive and like a toxic uh partner but um (laughs) toxic crazy girlfriend (laughs) yeah yeah like to the extreme but I really like that That you don't you don't have to explain it and it still works and I think that that mystery is I mean I think it's great I love it yeah they um they really just I really love this movie it was um the opening scene where they're building Christine and um, what song's playing? Uh, Bad to the Bone. Is it Bad yep, to the Bone? Yeah. I yep, love As soon is. as it opened with that, I was like, I am going to love this film. So it was oh, really, yeah. I just loved it. I love the, the score, but I also love like the soundtrack that they have for it as well. Yeah, and it, it plays such a crucial role because that's really... It's like, okay, so you have this inanimate object, basically. And so, like, how do you give personality to a car? You know, you can only do so much with it. There's no real facial expressions. You've only got so many things that you can manipulate. So they've got, you know, you see the lights change. You see the radio kick on. um, You hear her, like, rev her engine. And using the radio, I love how it ties into whatever's happening. Yeah. Like if you listen to the lyrics of whatever song is playing at, at any given moment, it's basically relating to what whatever's happening. Like, you know, if somebody's trying to get into the car, it's saying like, you're knocking, but you can't get in. Or, yeah. you know, she's, try, <laughs> she's trying to talk to Arnie about like how much she loves him and stuff. So it's really, it, it, like, it's really interesting how they use that to kind of give this inanimate object a personality. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really see it like as a personality thing uh, maybe I just didn't make that connection I just liked that it was her way of communicating and I have subtitles on when I watch movies and so I'm oh, okay. reading the lyrics and I'm like yeah that fits in that's great yeah I love that. I've seen this movie a lot so I've probably spent like way too much, <laughs> way too much time with it I also so I have to tell you so this movie is really it holds a special place in my heart because I I love cars and so my very first car was a 1951 Chevy um, business coupe so a little bit yeah a little bit older I guess than Christine herself um, but I like when I that was my first car like I was 16 years old and I bought this 
ancient car for, you know, 900 bucks or whatever, and it didn't work. <laughs> and so I have a real affinity for Arnie because I get it. Like I yeah. get what that's like, like, you know, my friends were like, what are you like, why are you buying this like old piece of like, you could buy like, a, why don't you just want like a Ford Focus or something like you're why are you buying this uh, car? Excuse like, me. You just, like, you just don't get it. Like, you don't like I can see the big picture. My, my dad did, I guess. My dad was one of those guys who always had a nice car and he would restore them. So I, I, I've seen that how it can, a car can transform and I had an appreciation for it because of that. So it didn't come out of nowhere. It makes sense. But <laughs> like, that's what I had for yeah. years and years and years and years. Like that was my car. So I get Arnie's love affair with Christine. And, you know, when he first sees her and you know, Dennis is like, what are you doing? Like, why do you want this piece of junk? Like, yeah, nobody gets it. And I like, I've always connected with Arnie in that way. Just like, I get it, Arnie. I understand. I see what you see. He sees the potential and just becomes infatuated with it. So that's always been really special to me. That's so nice. Yeah. I'd love my, um, my family, uh, like on my dad's side, uh, my cousins are car lovers. And so my cousin has a couple of old Holdens that he's restored and then like are his babies. So I've seen car lovers and I'm just like, that's nice. That's like, a, that's a nice and wholesome thing to enjoy and to have that affinity for. Oh yeah. And like you spend, you put so much time into restoring a car. And I think that when you do that, like it takes on another level. One thing that I think is really interesting, even like immediately after he buys Christine, Arnie always refers to her as Christine. Yeah. Like even when they pull up to the garage, he's like, Hey, you know, Dennis, can you honk your horn? You know, Christine's doesn't work. Like he doesn't say like mine doesn't work or the cars doesn't work. Like he's calling her Christine right there. Like he's already like addressing her as if like she is like a, a person basically yeah like he, he never like really calls her a car he always calls her by name which I think is really interesting and and they yeah. you know they, they continue to do that more and more but even from the beginning like he's already showing her that respect and I think that that's really interesting yeah they seem to really personify her throughout the whole film even Dennis and um and Lee both call the car Christine yeah I never saw that as weird I was like okay cool that that's the car's name that's that's totally fine yeah 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 it it makes it it makes sense and I'm trying to think (laughs) where to go um yeah I'm trying I lost my I don't know where I was going. But it's also very typical teenage boy to be that way about something that they have bought themselves and to love it so wholesomely and so wholeheartedly defend their the time and money and effort that they're putting into this, not only a hobby, but something that they are doing themselves. Yeah, it, like one thing I really thought about this time around watching it too, and that I think is really interesting, is how like this might not apply to people who live in cities or like grow up in major cities as much but like I I grew up in a a fairly kind of rural area and it's like if you didn't have a car like you couldn't get around this was yeah you know before like uber and lyft and that sort of stuff like if you wanted to go somewhere as a teenager you had to rely on either your parents or your friends and if you didn't have a car like that really stripped away a lot of your independence yeah that was me too (laughs) 
Yeah. So I think like for Arnie too, it's more than just, you know, the car itself. It also kind of speaks to that need as like a, you know, a young adult, you know, being 17, 18 years old in high school, like gaining that independence and yeah. gaining that freedom and even that sexual freedom. Because like, once you have a car like that, opens up some possibilities <laughs> that like you might not have while living at home you know yeah so I think that that also is a really interesting way to read the film and kind of speaks to how Arnie kind of transitions from this really dorky nerdy just you know guy who's just you know he is what he is but then like kind of transforms into this other character who finally is speaking his mind and coming into his own being I, he takes it to the extreme like don't get yeah. me wrong <laughs> but I think that that's part of it and I think that that's actually like a really relatable thing yeah he is he is pretty relatable and in that whole wanting to be independent and you know being very um what's the word disrespectful to his parents but I don't really see it as disrespectful because he's kind of just like leave me alone like yeah yeah I'm 17 I'm a senior now and and at the start of the film when we meet Arnie and Dennis together for the first time because Arnie's this very clumsy dorky kid and Dennis is the cool jock guy and they're best friends and their friendship to me, I got so heartbroken watching it deteriorate through the film because I was like, Dennis is an actual, he's, he cares about you. Oh, yeah. His character is so much. <laughs> yeah. His, his character is really interesting, too, because it's like Dennis is clearly like, he's a jock. Like, he's a good looking guy. Like, he plays on the football team. Like, he's got lots of friends, but like, he still cares about Arnie, like, really cares about him, not just like surface level, like, oh, yeah, I grew up with that kid, whatever like he's actually invested in Arnie and I don't think that that's especially in the world of like 80s horror films you see like really stereotypical versions of people and I think that Dennis is really interesting in the way that he kind of like breaks those stereotypes like he's a jock but he's also like a really kind person yeah and yeah like fights for Arnie to the end even though Arnie's you know been an asshole to him yeah. a lot and he still like fights for him and tries to help him out because he realizes like this is beyond Arnie's control and he cares about him so I think that that's yeah I, I love Dennis's character plus he has a really cool car too so yeah. there's just there's I love Arnie's Arnie's mom when Dennis first pulls up to pick Arnie up for the new school year and she's yelling at him about noise pollution and you're making my driveway look messy. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And like, she's like, you might as well be like pouring toxic waste on my yard. It's like, I don't know if that's like quite the same thing. I was just <laughs> like, is be. that from his exhaust or from the music coming out of the stereo? I'm not I sure. Think I, yeah, I think she's talking about the music, but it's like, oh, my oh God. <laughs> I thought that like, might be the case. Yeah, like that's pretty, that's pretty exaggerated, lady. <laughs> yeah, and I love, I love the finding out while I was researching that this film, the neighborhood they filmed in, is actually the same. Uh, it's Pasadena, I believe, where they filmed Halloween. So if anyone watches the film and recognizes any of the houses or any of the streets, Yes, it is Halloween and also Christine, which I thought was really awesome. That is, yeah, I didn't realize that. I, yeah, I wish some of the, the like locations were a bit more defined. I think yeah. like, probably the most like notable ones would be like the garage, but yeah. it's like I, 
I don't know where that is. If it's even real, it might be just like a, a lot, you know, a studio thing. Maybe, I don't know, it's pretty big inside, but uh, probably that and then the, the gas station. I don't know if either of those are real locations or not though. I don't believe the gas station was because I read that they built that to blow it up. Gotcha. So I was yeah. like, that is cool. I wish I was on the blow up team for that because that would have been fun. Yeah, so since we're talking about that, I also like would like to talk about Buddy. Oh yes. The, the, the bully, Buddy the bully. Because Who we meet in shop. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, number yeah. one, I just think it's really funny. I don't know who the actor is. I don't actually remember his name, but to me, it's like he's like a knockoff John Travolta. It's his name is William Ostrander. <laughs> All right. So he look. Yeah, he looks just like. It's like they couldn't get John Travolta <laughs> at that age, you know. So they're like, got this guy because number we'll one, he him. looks. He looks like he's thirty years old in high school. <laughs> and then he, he his hair and everything I thought I just I love him because it's like it it re always reminds me of Greece yeah like he's got kind of like that kind of character to him and it's it's just always correct because it's like you've got these cars like he he just he looks like kind of like he would be in a car film I guess yeah I love but, his mutton chops <laughs> oh yeah his mutton chops and he's just like so aggressive yeah. too. like pull, like pulling knives on people they like trash christine like him and his friends bombs in front of a teacher i was like oh, yeah. what yeah like he is like bully to the extreme I, I mean there's probably worse examples but like he's a pretty serious bully like he does some yeah. serious stuff it's like i don't man i do not know what this guy would would have grown up to be like as an adult if he had survived but guaranteed it probably would not have been good no he was i um his aesthetic is definitely more me like the like a black shirt some black jeans and boots i'm out yeah that's my yeah. comfort when i go out i mean i'm right. yellow yeah. today but don't tell anyone yeah. <laughs> you'll ruin the illusion yeah <laughs> Your secret safe with me. It's an audio medium. They never have to know. <laughs> <laughs> but Buddy is really horrible. And so are his friends, um, Moochie, and I don't even know what the other guy's name is. Yeah, I don't remember either. I, they do say it a few times, but I, oh, I think okay. it's just something. I think it's something boring. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. They he kind of looks cool like my it. younger cousin, which was really weird. <laughs> I was like, you look like that's really you look funny. Like my cousin. <laughs> that's okay. Because at the end of this scene, Buddy is he's so aggressive towards their shop teacher and like he's yelling in his face and all and the teacher's just like I, I deal with you idiots every day like on your bike off yeah. you go yeah but then yeah and they step on Arnie's glasses oh, it's that, just as the glasses where I'm it? like I can't think of anything worse than someone doing oh. that to me <laughs> yeah well you same. know <laughs> I do yeah same like I would that would be I'd be like you don't know how expensive those are like what you yeah. <laughs> And I literally cannot see without mine. So, like, people would have to guide me around by hand, basically. Oh, I know. I do think that's always funny when they do that in films. Like, oh, suddenly, you know, like, the nerdy girl takes off her glasses and she's, and she's really hot. pretty or whatever. Yeah, or like, yeah, Arnie's glasses get broken. So he just doesn't, you know, at one point, he just isn't wearing them anymore. Like, he's in the middle of his transition into this cool guy, right? So he starts dressing different and he doesn't wear his glasses and he does his hair a little bit different. But it's yeah, exactly. It's like, I, why are you wearing them in the first place? Can you? Yeah. Like, like can if you, you can get away without them, why are you wearing them? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, same. I can't see without mine. So yeah. I don't understand <laughs> when people are suddenly not wearing them and it makes them cool. But can you not see? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's know. a choice. See, for me, if I take mine off, I, my lazy eye is really noticeable. So I don't want to yeah. take them off. Like yeah. my eye is just uh, like it focuses a little bit different than this one. So I'm like, I just don't take them off so no one can see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But in this scene, because there's so much swearing and apparently it's because there wasn't enough violence for them to get an R rating and it was going to get a PG rating. And so they dropped heaps of C-bombs and like heaps of these weird, like, um, like curse words that weren't contextual so that they'd get an R rating and people would actually go and watch the film. That's so interesting, especially like given like the current climate of like, the battle about ratings you yeah. know like if a film gets a pg-13 it's such like a ridiculous backlash you hear from people on twitter or whatever versus like an r rating and like how happy people are when it gets an r rating and i, I think that's really interesting it's like it makes such a statement but it's interesting to me that they had to like force it basically yeah so that people because they i guess they thought that oh it's a car movie it's pg-13 yeah. I'm not going to go see that. Yeah. And I, and I will say, like, it is pretty bloodless. Like, there's yeah. some pretty, like, horrific moments in my eyes. It's, you know, especially... And they're not all, like, violence, I think. I mean, some of the things that Arnie ends up doing to, you know, Lee, his girlfriend, I yeah. think are pretty, like, triggering almost. It's like, that is, yeah. like, some really shitty behavior, Arnie. And, yeah, so it's interesting that... I can see why it would get a PG-13, I guess, because yeah. there's not, it's, yeah, it's a car doing most of the violence, not really another person, and there's not a lot of, like, gore. Yeah, I've got to remember to wear my 1980s glasses when I watch this, because if that was made now, just the way that Arnie does treat Lee would give it, like, an M50, well, in Australia, we don't, we have, like, an in-between PG and R, which is, like, our M and MA. I don't know what it is in the States, We've got PG-13. Yeah. So that's in between PG and R, but that's it. I think. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you, there's not even any in between PG-13 and R? No. Oh, wow. Because we have like yeah. M, which is like for mature audiences. Uh -huh. And then we have MA-15, which is for anyone over 15. You have to have parental supervision if uh -huh. you're under 15. And then we have R. Okay. And then we have yeah. like... XR, which I think was, uh, oh no, RC, which is refused classification. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you've yeah. got an extra one that we don't, because you can still do like an unrated thing or just an X, but that's pretty rare. And yeah. it wouldn't be released basically in like theaters. Yeah. That'd be the same here. You'd have yeah. to basically import it from overseas if you want to watch it. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. It seems like there should be something in between. I feel yeah. like there should be. <laughs> Because, yeah, even even the stuff they can get away with in a PG-13, sometimes it's like, I don't know. I mean, my parents were pretty conservative growing up, so there's stuff in a PG-13 that I feel like they would be like, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I was allowed to watch M movies, but I wasn't allowed to watch MA-15 until gotcha. I was 15. And so, like, M would be like, my dad would decide if it was appropriate or not based yeah. on, like, because we also get, like, classification... Um, 
advice. So it'll give like the the rating and then in like a little box next to it, it'll say like the things that that's why it got an M rating. So it might be like drug use or oh yeah, um, yeah. sex scenes or something like that. And so it'll be like a little bit of advice and then dad would go, oh, okay, yeah, this is okay for them to watch. Yeah. Yeah. They do that here too. They'll, yeah. Oh, so they'll say it. Yeah. yeah. Say, yeah. Violence or language or yeah. yeah. Sexu- sexual situations. Sexual situations. <laughs> something like that (laughs) the funniest thing that ever happened to my dad because my dad is a real big like cinephile and Uh we we were about maybe 10 or 11 when me myself and Irene came out and that got an (laughs) MA here and Uh so dad takes us to the cinema and they can refuse to let people in if they're underage they can literally be like no you're not coming in Uh and um the woman at the counter was like, sir, do you know there's a lot of swearing in this film? And he looked at her and was like, you know my kids go to school, right? <laughs> and she was like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they've heard it before. Yeah. My dad is also, at the time, was in the military. So it's nothing I hadn't heard before. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, it's it's. I haven't actually thought about the. Re- That's so fascinating. You say that just about that because yeah, I had never noticed that, but it makes sense because yeah, some of the curse words. It's like all right, that's yeah. That Why seems is like that a in little here? Bit <laughs> but like all right, I I get it. I get it. And especially then, I think it would actually help having that R rating for sure. Yeah, definitely so. for marketing purposes. And hey, this is super scary. Come and see it. It's, yeah, and it was also like John Carpenter was like, I mean, he was in it, you know, like he was in his prime, like he was writing the high of, you know, The Fog and Halloween. And You've then, done, yeah. Just done The Thing before that? Yeah, and es- Escape from New York, I think was 81. So like he was really like, d- like cranking out some pretty solid hits, you know? And so, yeah, anything less yeah. than an R, I think he would be like, like, no, nope, that's not my this? brand. Like, I, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get, I gotta get that R. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When um, when Arnie comes across the car, because I want to talk about this. Sure, because sure. he gets this, like, immediate connection to this car. And mm-hmm. it does feel supernatural to me, like, to have yeah. that um, automatic want for it, like, impulsivity almost. And the old man that's there trying to sell it, sell it off, he's like, yep, take it get it out of my yard I want a condo (laughs) yeah oh I love that character because I think it's like it's one of those things it's like he's not a major character but they take the time to really give him like such vibe I guess you know he's got like that back brace on like he's got really gaunt you know he's got a really gaunt face and he's the way he talks and you know, you, you hear him dropping these words that later, you know, Arnie starts to pick up, which I think is really interesting. And yeah, he just kind of adds to that supernatural feeling that you're talking about because they took the time to really like style him when he was kind of, I mean, he's, yeah, he's an important character, I guess, but he also is like, not really, he could have just, they didn't have to do that, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. But it adds so much to that whole sequence. And then even when Dennis comes back, like he's wearing like some sort of like blue velvet blazer. Like he's also wearing some, like he's also wearing something really interesting then as well. He's just very (laughs) eccentric. Yes. Meaning to be super eccentric. Yeah. 
it just like adds a lot of like mystery and oddness I guess to like Christine's backstory I think he's very <laughs> foreboding because he's like yeah my brother-in-law died in that car oh and his daughter and, and, his, then da- his, and wife, his wife <laughs> and his wife so like <laughs> I can't remember if they say she died in the car but she also killed herself yeah so it's like yeah oh okay there's some yep that's what's going on good. in that car yeah that's not good <laughs> after um because after he gets the car he ends up being able to park it at Darnell's which yes. seems like this really dodgy garage that everybody works on their cars from yeah I've never actually seen a place like that but I'm sure Don't they must neither. exist but you know I'm sure they exist especially like in maybe more like bigger areas or something like where you wouldn't necessarily have a place to work on at your own but I yeah I love that shop and I love the character of Darnell I think yeah. that he's such a funny character I love the way he's like when they like the first time him and Arnie meet and he's t- he's you know telling him like okay you can't smoke here you gotta go up back and Dennis is like but you better go tell them like they're all smoking and he's just like like and establishing like, dominance I don't smoke. yeah I don't like Arnie's me. like terrified and like yeah sure yeah whatever like I'll do whatever like please just let me work on my car and like you just yeah establishing that immediate dominance thinking that Arnie's just some like punk kid or whatever which clearly at that point like he's pretty harmless pretty you know pretty dorky so it's it just comes across even funnier like I think he's such a great character and the funny way like he becomes like really kind of endeared by Arnie and like how much he's working on the car offers him a job and stuff it makes it even yeah it makes it it makes it more sad I guess when he does meet his ultimate end <laughs> yeah because Christine's got a pretty high body count in this film when you think about it <laughs> that is true I never added it up but yeah she 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 does her work pretty quick <laughs> she's a she's a beautiful car but uh scary yeah <laughs> I, yeah I think the the first real moment that I think you really see like because I, I think up until that point, it's kind of like mysterious, like whether or not like Christine actually is bad. You know, they don't really, I, I don't think they've shown anything really up to that point. Only Dennis going into the garage and he's like trying to get into the car and the music plays. Yeah. And he freaks out and leaves. And that's yeah, the only like, tidbit you're given. Yeah, and in the opening scene, like, when she's coming off the line, like, obviously that guy dies, or but they don't actually show it, I don't think. No. And then, but when they go to the drive-in, yeah. and, and... So Lee's, before this, um, yeah, yeah. a little bit of context for people. Lee sure. is, like, the hottest girl at school at this point. She's new. Yeah. Um, Dennis wanted to date her. Bemis, who I hate, because... Yeah. And like I said, I have to wear my 1980s goggles with this movie. I know, it's, because... it's pretty ridiculous, some of the talk, the guy talk. Yeah, it's like, I'm like, really? ew. Like... I don't know any guys that talk about women that way, but... I, I mean, I had a lot of guy friends in high school, so I can say that, like, a lot of it, it's like, yeah, I... Unfortunately, but that was also, like, oh, the, 90, like... the 90s, so yeah, maybe I was it was... Gonna... I don't... But... Yeah, I graduated <laughs> from high school in, like, two. 2006 I think so I mean guys were still pretty horrible even then yeah (laughs) but uh his line was something about she looks really smart with the body of a slut and I was Uh like what 
yeah they're, they're definitely the dialogue some of it you, you probably wouldn't get written the same way <laughs> no it definitely wouldn't and yeah, i mean it's it's in a certain um period of time it's contextual for how young men would have probably spoken about other women back then yeah and so it's not like i'm watching it going they wouldn't have spoken that way that's not yeah. in context so yeah, yeah. i'm glad that i can still you know critically think about those things and be like okay well at least i know now it wouldn't be written that way yeah yeah so separated a little bit yeah it's like yeah. all right all right <laughs> but after bemis like i don't see any real uh like vocabulary issues for the rest of the film it's just yeah. him yeah yeah <laughs> just him yeah but yes so but yeah but somehow arnie snags Lee. you know the hot the hot new girl you know now that he's you know kind of under christine's spell he suddenly becomes he's got sexual prowess yeah well <laughs> he's like he's got that bad boy swagger you know he's got the car he's the got the no fucks given at it yeah that turtle that, that's always <laughs> really funny to me like the jacket you know he's just the way he carries himself and kind of like pretends like he doesn't really care about things like yeah you know i think that's why you know he's able to snaggly but yeah his friends are like what the fuck like what how did this happen <laughs> what because he yeah he is like the um punching bag for the entire school most of the time so yeah it's yeah really, it's a big, I kinda it's liked, a big transition yeah this part of his like story arc i was like yeah you get the girl the nerd gets the yeah girl. i like it and, and you still see like hints of the old arnie like he he starts you know talking a little bit you know not as nice and kind yeah. of like starts being a little bit of an asshole but he still like has parts of him like he still shows up like when his friend gets hurt and he's yeah. still like is moderately respectful <laughs> you know he's, at this point he's not quite yeah <laughs> he's not not quite off the deep end yet so that that in between time it's easy to see why Lee would be attracted to him I guess yeah at this because this is the um, the first time we really see that Christine is this supernatural car because um, uh, Arnie and Lee are at the drive-ins. It's bucketing down rain. I actually really enjoy the rain in this scene. I don't know why. I was like, I really, this, is, this looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's pouring. But, you know, Christine's wiper... Oh, they get in a little fight. That's what happens first. So they get about in a little fight about the car. Of course, you know, she's convinced like there's something weird about it, the car and she doesn't want to be in it. But then, you know, he convinces her, coaxes her back in. Christine's wiper gets snagged or something, gets off its little, you know, wiper arm thing. So he gets out of the car and then, yeah. And so then Lee starts choking and the light it turns super bright the radio turns that. up yeah like you really see that like christine's not digging this relationship and is basically like making a point like no 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 bitch like arnie's mine <laughs> and it's it's crazy like it's it's the first time you really see like unquestionably like all right yes like this car has powers and she is doing this maliciously un unquestionably yeah. before it's kind of all just like alluded to in a mystery but this is like definitive proof that like no no this car can do some shit <laughs> yeah and when arnie takes lee home 
uh, Arnie seems to have completely ignored all of these things that had happened. And Lee's like, you saw the lights, the radio went on, and he just, like, gaslights the crap out of her and was like, oh, well, the door was locked, I couldn't get in, I thought he was coming to attack you. And it just goes to show that he's been manipulated by the superpower that is, like, supernatural power that is in Christine, that he's like, she can do no wrong. It's a car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I think kind of I mean the closest like he's been brainwashed in one capacity or it's kind of like you know somebody that's got like an addiction issue or something like he's rationalizing it because either he doesn't want to face what's actually happening or like he doesn't care yeah. or like he you know believes it that hard that like it's not true like he's fully under her spell and just refuses to believe anything to the contrary yeah He's, um, because this is where he's really, really transitioning into this, like, basically completely under Christine's control. Yeah. In a way. And this was a real turning point for his character in this story. Yeah. And and for the relationship, too. Like, I think it's the first time where Lee is really like, I don't know if I, like, this is a person I want to be with. I think she really finally sees that, like, I don't necessarily think this is a good guy. Like he asks like oh can I call you and she's like I don't know like she's really Mm. starting to be like think about how Arnie's treating her you know ultimately she does give him another chance but you start to see her like starting to really question like what she's doing with this guy and like if he can actually change which I think is also an interesting thing to watch and I really like uh the actress that plays Lee because they she's just so um I don't know her her acting in this is I just really enjoyed her as a character and as Lee in general she was just I don't know she was just great I I think she really like subtly showed that struggle I think that anybody that's been with like a really shitty partner like you know short of like actual physical violence you know the gaslighting like you mentioned like kind of the abusive language and just some of the mind games yeah like when you're in those relationships sometimes it can be really hard to navigate or like figure out like is this something I can deal with like is this a red flag that's gonna move you know turn into something bigger is this something they can change like are they going to be accountable like that's a real struggle and I think that you kind of see her dealing with that in in like a a really honest way I feel like more than almost you would see in a lot of other films of this time like I I, she doesn't come across stupid she doesn't come across super naive like she comes across pretty true like a character with agency but also like just an honest uh weighing of the options I guess yeah she's incredibly believable in in there in that struggle in in depicting that struggle and just it's just everything about her the way she speaks her emotions on her face um it's just yeah she's she's really brilliant and I'd like to see more of her stuff if if she is in anything yeah I don't I don't actually know I don't know if I've seen her in anything or if I have it I haven't actually I haven't realized I'm sure she um, is in something else but she is she's Stephanie Holden in Baywatch (laughs) Oh, interesting. But Baywatch just <laughs> isn't my, Baywatch is not yeah. my style of, yeah. <laughs> of TV. I, I, I wouldn't have known that, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. 
after this incident, Arnie returns Christine to the garage and Buddy and his little mates show up and absolutely wreck Christine. Um, and the next day, Arnie and Lee show up and see what has happened to the car. Yeah. And obviously he's devastated. Even even Lee is upset for him. And yeah. the I think a police officer... No, this is after... Yes. Um, so he's getting in trouble at home. He's fighting with his parents. He's really violent with and aggressive with his dad. And that yeah. shocked me. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I was not and expecting I it, that. <laughs> I think it was meant to be too, because it's like, whoa. Like, he, yeah, he's getting phys- like physically choking his dad, like putting him yeah. in a chokehold, like exhibiting like that like what he's capable of which i think is also like an exaggeration of that challenge or you know or that like struggle of independent like i think that what we were talking about earlier like this is kind of an extreme example of that but it's it's just showing like how far he's taking it yeah Um, absolutely but backing up to the part that you were just talking about when buddy and buddy and co uh trash christine this this whole sequence, these like two scenes, them trashing the car and then what happens right after it. It's like one of my favorite parts of the film. Okay. Like if like if I had to like rank like my favorite, <laughs> this is probably like third, I guess. Like some of my third favorite moments in the film because number one, when you see them trashing Christine, like as somebody who loves cars and has had a classic car, like it just like is gut-wrenching to me like well because it's like you just like how much work you have to like feel for Arnie in some capacity like how much work he's put into Christine like how beautiful she is and like they trash it hardcore like it's not just like a you know a few dings or just keying it or something it's like she is trashed and then yeah the heartbreak on Arnie when he sees it and the fact that Lee does like get emotional about it too it I mean it shows she still obviously cares about Arnie and even though she does not like Christine refuses to ride in Christine anymore she understands what it means to Arnie yeah so I think that that's you know further shows kind of her emotional investment in Arnie which I think is interesting but then when he comes back and Christine does her transformation it's it's a pivotal moment in the film because this is the first time that we see that like Arnie actually knows what that something is going on with Christine. Yeah. Like he's he we visually see like when he says, Okay, show me, and she starts healing herself. That moment to me is so sexual. It's so weird. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> because number one, you see Christine, like this is something that she up until this point we've never witnessed and it's not clear that Arnie has witnessed it either you know that she's healing herself basically like regenerating and but at this point like she's doing it in front of Arnie like he's seeing it happen he's fully aware and she's fully aware and that shared moment between them is so cool and the effects are just cool yeah (laughs) Like, I get that. It's like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did it backwards, you know, they reversed, you know, they filmed it in reverse or, you know, played it back in reverse or whatever. Like, I get it. But it's still, like, the effect is really great. It holds up so well. Yeah, and that's what's so surprising for me throughout this film is that 
all of the effects are just so well done and it's so it's all practical effects because it's you know 1980s it's not anything you know no computers no green screens nothing and so all the cars are driven by stunt drivers there's no remote controls done um all of these special effects are all through like hydraulics and 14 different cars and yeah (laughs) you know it's just so brilliant to watch a film and see such and that's not to say that people who use cgi for their horror films don't work hard but in the 1980s they had to work harder to really make it believable and to basically sell it to their audience yeah and I'm, I'm a firm believer that sometimes like less is more and I yeah. think Christine's a good example of that because you don't like we like like we were saying like you don't need a lot of blood you don't need a lot of gore you don't need a lot of crazy action scenes to get the point across like it seems like they really pick the scenes that they really wanted to focus on and the momentum does build and things start to accelerate from this point on in the film and some of the effects are pretty incredible and the scenes are really incredible but you know they really picked and choose where they wanted to focus and really build the story out so that when these moments did happen they carry more weight and there's more of a focus on them also when she turns those lights on yeah so he says okay show me and then the lights turn on you get this like giant like anamorphic flare of the lights and everything oh it just looks it just looks so good like it's beautiful (laughs) yeah i don't say that often about films and and horror films really but i feel like i've been saying it a bit lately because just the things i've watched are just so brilliant and so perfect in the way that it's been designed and produced. And I, I sometimes I just can't get the right words, but. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, this, there's just this world that they build. It's so normal, but it's, yeah. and it's so beautiful in the way that it's normal. Like I just, I love that, that it just feels like a regular neighborhood. Like they just feel like normal high school kids. Like there's nothing really that unbelievable about any of these characters. Except maybe Buddy. Buddy's a little extreme, yeah. I will say. He's but, a bit uh, OTT, like, out- but... <laughs> yeah, like outside of him, like you kind of believe all of these characters, I feel like. So I think that that's yeah. great. <laughs> this is, um, but this is where it does ramp up. So yeah. Arnie has seen Christine's ability to regenerate and the car goes out on her own at this point, starts doing her own thing because, you know, yeah. she just does whatever. And she actually goes out and kills Moochie. Like, she squishes him up against a concrete pillar, I think. Um, And that, for me, I was like, oh, whoa. All right. Oh, man. That's the, I got, okay. So this part of the film feels to me like almost like a rape revenge movie. Yeah. So, like, they violated her, basically. Like, they came into the garage and trashed her. They literally shit on her. Like, they have... (laughs) really like violated her in an intimate way in her home in her space you know in her garage while she was alone and so when she's going out and like picking these guys off like it feels very much like a revenge portion of a film which I think is so cool (laughs) so yeah yeah, she's she's out on her own all of the windows they black out all of the windows on her which I think is really interesting because that way like Moochie and Buddy they don't know that Arnie's not in the car and it's never actually confirmed that he's not in the car. Yeah. But it's 
basically you, 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 you assume she's not, and I don't think he is. Um, but yeah, when he like corners Moochie in that little alley, <laughs> like she can't fit initially. So he's like, all right, yeah, whatever. But with the way that they force her into that thing and she just like, basically is like no fucks given about her fenders and her mirrors yeah. and like it's like just, don't worry about them yeah like oh you think i can't fit like i'll fit and like forces her way in it's so determined and slow and deliberate that it's it's amazing <laughs> like yeah. scarier because it happens kind of slow it's really I, I ha- intense yeah i will say i've always been like this is one area of the film where I'm like, why didn't Moochie just jump on the hood? Yeah, That's the they one. have heaps like, of time. <laughs> like, he saw what's happening. He's not injured at this point. Like, he could have just jumped on the hood and then, like, climbed over the top of But whatever. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> like, <laughs> and there's a couple of scenes where the uh, victim is, like, just standing there and Lee does it later in the film and I was like Maeve get out yeah. why are you just standing there yeah yeah I I, I get it like my that dad whenever whenever I like point out these things my dad's always like you know why that happened I'm like why and he's like because it's in the script I'm like yeah okay I get Thanks, it Dad. like <laughs> yeah like all right yeah good point like <laughs> yes it's it's a movie <laughs> like it had to happen this way <laughs> so, but yeah. yeah, so Moochie gets chopped in half, basically. Yeah, which is not super gory, but it was just that scene is just very intense because it's like, you know it's going to happen. So you're just like waiting to see um, like what actually happens to Moochie when he's, you know, smushed. Oh, yeah. And it just shows the lengths like Christine's willing to go to. Like she's willing to sacrifice, you know, her physical, temp- you know, being temporarily because whatever she can fix it so yeah this is what i want so this is what i'm gonna do (laughs) not sorry probably not sorry yeah no she's not sorry (laughs) no after moochie she goes after buddy and the other guy um and i really like this scene because they're driving together and her Uh high beams go on right behind them you know and he's saying you know oh stupid jerk like blah 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 and buddy decides that he's gonna reverse And I just love watching the, I just, I love stunt driving. I think it is the coolest thing in the world. Like anything like motorbike stunt riders, it's, uh, it's just blows my mind that people are so coordinated because I'm the complete opposite. So (laughs) yeah, it was just a really great scene. And the guy who was driving this was actually the stunt double for Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so he <laughs> I didn't was, know that. yeah. So he was, and he was only 19 years old when he was the stunt driver for Christine. And oh, I thought wow. that is so amazing. I was just like, what? That is really cool. How can you do that at 19? I can't also even drive a car re- properly at 31. Yeah. <laughs> also, just be fun, I think. I mean, yeah. they're both cool cars. So, like, just, you know, doing something like that, I think, would be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And when they run away, they go to the gas station and there's another guy that um, I recognized him from like being at school and in those in the shop, in shop class or whatever. And she like drives into the gas station, like chasing Buddy and his friend in their car. And they're already, they've gotten out of the car and somebody's chasing us, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, is that Cunningham? 
as Christine drives in. And so when they're all killed, they basically thought that Arnie was killing them. Yeah. Oh, and the way that she like plows into that gas station, it's like shocking because it's that kind of thing that like no reasonable person would expect that to happen. Like, okay, so like, let's say that Arnie was in the car and he was chasing them, but like, you would think that he would like drive in really fast and stop in front of it. Like you don't expect, you know, Christine to plow in to Buddy's Camaro. Like you just don't expect that to happen. So I mean, I've seen, I've seen this movie so many times, but like even now it's like, whoa, (laughs) like it catches you off guard because it's such an unexpected way to handle the situation and it's so she's literally no fucks she's like i'm taking you all out with me right now (laughs) she has no respect for that other car like she's got an agenda and she's just like just hitting the gas and going in full (laughs) throttle like it's crazy buddy was so devastated about his car oh reasonably so that car was beautiful but like like, i get it (laughs) yeah but just like wipes out his friend immediately yeah Yeah. the whole thing blows up and well she sets herself on fire which i thought was cool that was oh my god when she yeah when she pulls out this is probably my favorite yes me too (laughs) so yeah when she pulls out of that garage and she's covered in flames and buddy's running down the street like a crazy person and like she's coming up behind him what i love is how slow she's going too because he's shitting himself oh yeah and he's running you know normal you know scared person running like he's running fast but a car could easily take you know take him out at any time but the way she like stalks him just on fire it looks so good number one and the music is perfect and it's so like anxiety inducing just the way that she's just like right behind him just knowing like sure go ahead and run like you got nowhere to go like it's it's only ending one way yeah and yeah and then just runs him over and he's on fire and she oh it's just it looks so good it's such a cool (laughs) scene I just anything that's on fire and I'm like yeah cool (laughs) well and they that's isn't I mean talking about effects like they did such a good job like getting her consumed in flames like it's not like it doesn't look sparse like it's a lot of flames like it looks really thick and it's not like you said it's not um accentuated or enhanced with cgi like i had a um i had oh i do have a note here so they actually covered the car in rubber cement and that's how they got it like fully engulfed yeah I don't know how rubber cement works and I don't know why it's flammable but it looks cool I do wonder like how long it lasts because it's like yeah how often did they have to like stop redo it you know because it's like, like relight it and recover. yeah like stuff like that it's only got a I would imagine that it only lasts so long but yeah you know those like in theory she's on fire for a decent amount of time you know pulling out of the garage and driving yeah. down the street like she's got several minutes at least of flaming yeah um and the stunt double like the stunt driver sorry was still in the car driving it while it's on fire and he had a um a fireproof suit that had um oxygen so he could breathe but he literally couldn't see because of all the blocked out windows so he's like rolling down the street with it on fire in this that'd be so intense i this is something else i wonder it's like 
I don't know if they could do that anymore. It's something that it's like, I literally don't know if like legally (laughs) this would have been allowed to happen. Like if somebody wanted to do this now, I don't think they would let them because- Uh, Although in in Mad Max, there was a lot of cars on fire. There was lots of fire and whatnot, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Yeah, you're probably right. I just like wonder. It's like it's still a car. There's still like a lot of really flammable stuff yeah, inside of it. And... Like unless it was just like rolling on its own power or something. Like if it was actually driving. Like I just wonder. Like if they yeah. would actually let somebody do that because like the risk of it turning into like something out of control. I feel yeah, like would be, exploding. Yeah, or... like decently yeah. like plausible. I don't know, but it it looks great and yeah. it's still impressive and it's just. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's a classic scene of the film. Like it's a classic image of her. Like you see Christine and a lot of the time she's on fire because it's just like so powerful and just kind of her at her peak uh, aggressiveness, I guess. That's her peak potential of like what she can do. Yeah, that's definitely the image that I know of the film. And yeah. I hadn't watched it until yesterday. And even though I'm a huge Stephen King fan, it's really odd that I hadn't seen it. But I think I stick more to his, like, weird stuff, like Salem's Lot and Needful Things and Shining, like, stuff with, like, super scary stuff. And now I'm like, I'm going to get into all this stuff because this is cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really, yeah, it's it's a fascinating story to me. I think it's such an interesting just idea and concept and... Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's great. You should watch. There's another weird possessed car movie. It's not nearly as good as Christine, but it's a lot of fun if you ever want to watch. Uh, it's just called The Car. Oh, I have seen that. Yeah. Okay. I saw it I was while like, I was googling it. last night, and I was like, no, this yeah. isn't the movie I want. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. It, but it's the same kind of thing. Like, yeah, you don't know why the car is doing what it's doing. It's just just doing it. I was so. um I was talking to my grandma this morning because uh she went to bed before I watched the movie last night and I said to her I was like grandma Christine is a really good movie and she's like yeah I know right she's like you <laughs> should watch my mum the car and I was like what she's like yeah it's a tv show where a mum comes back as a car and oh, the, it's God. the son's car and it's like a comedy tv show I was like what I have never heard of that but that sounds <laughs> incredible <laughs> i was like so it's like mr ed but she's a car instead yeah. of a horse <laughs> oh my gosh that's so funny oh i don't know gosh. if i'd watch that yeah because like mums uh, are annoying anyway so <laughs> can't imagine having to like hang around mine all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, that's fun. oh this is the scene this is the scene that i was really impressed by because it's Darnell's death oh yeah yeah and right after yeah so Christine returns to the garage and Darnell's a little bit suspicious about what's going on because Arnie's out doing a job for him and he's like who's been driving this car and so he goes out with his shotgun and um he's you know yelling at the car because he thinks someone's in it yeah and he realizes that there's no one in there he gets in the car and is crushed to death in yeah. this car. She just like, um, like you, it just compacts him in there. Yeah. It's, in, it's insane. Yeah, it's pretty brutal, but you also, I mean, it makes sense because it's like how many different ways can a car kill somebody? Yeah. You know? So, but it's, yeah, it's, 
the Darnell's death, I think is, it's really sad. I think it, and it kind of rocks Arnie a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because this is somebody he cared about. And I think, I mean, it's the first person that he's, yeah, that Christina's killed that he actually cares about. Like he didn't care about Moochie. He didn't care about Buddy, like whatever. They were dicks to him. Like he was yeah. fine with them being murdered. They got what they deserved, you know? But Darnell, there wasn't really a reason. And I mean, other, I mean, to Christine, there was a reason because she was, you know, he was onto her basically. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think, I think it really bothers Arnie. And like, I think that um, Keith Gordon, the actor does a really good job of like showing that. Uh, Cause so yeah, when the detective Harry Dean Stanton like tells him like, no, Darnell's dead in your car. Yeah. Had a shotgun and like the shock on Arnie's face. Like you can really feel it that he's like, what? No, why? And he's he's equally baffled by it, which I think is yeah. really interesting. Because Arnie obviously knows that Christine's doing all these horrible things. Oh yeah. And so oh, yeah. he's upset that she's kind of taken this real um sinister turn in hurting yeah. people that he cares about. Yeah. Like I, I think he doesn't fully understand like why she would do that. Like yeah. Lee makes a little bit of sense, you know, all these bullies make sense, but this one doesn't really make sense. Like she didn't have to do that. So yeah. I think it's, it, it speaks to her malicious nature a little bit too, that like she's crossed a line and it, it just becomes evident that like, this isn't going to stop anywhere. Like anybody that remotely gets in the way, like she's going to take out and it becomes a little bit more scary because of that. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I'm like, Christine, I don't like you anymore. Yeah. And I think so, like, isn't it like right after this? So that's when like kind of like Dennis and Lee start kind of planning like what they're going to do. Yeah, because they know that something is going on with this car and um, that Arnie's changed a lot. You know, he's wearing heaps of turtlenecks and leather jackets and leather vests and yeah. he doesn't wear his glasses anymore. And yeah, um, there's an incident where... Lee and him are on the phone together and um Arnie's actually at Darnell's yeah and he's like right. but I love you and he's like fully in manipulation mode with her like give me another oh, chance yeah. like you can't do this to me and uh when he hangs up he's like you stupid fucking bitch and I was like whoa oh okay. yeah no it's rough and like yeah I think this is the like this is the definitive moment where Lee's like nope nope and I think it's good because we're with her because it's like this is not good behavior <laughs> like yes. this is cross the line to just like you're being an asshole into like this is abusive like mental verbal like this is not okay <laughs> yeah yeah and it's really horrible because I was like Lee is really caring she's really lovely she is sensitive and I don't, yeah she's just really she wants to believe the best in him and yeah and he goes and does this oh yeah yeah she this is the moment where I think they she realizes like we have to do something because this isn't getting better it's only going to get worse and at yeah. this point like people are literally people are dying <laughs> so mm. like we have to step in <laughs> yeah and like Arnie's clearly not going to do anything willingly on his own so we need to do something yeah and her and dennis team team up to yeah. basically come up with a plan and dennis uh says to lee well i'm gonna go see arnie tonight and this is where dennis is you know trying to 
appeal to Arnie, well, to old Arnie and being like, you know, yeah. you're always my best friend. And, you know, what about our friendship? And Arnie is just like sexualizing things and very, not aggressive, but very blasé about the things that have happened to people. And he's like, yeah. oh, well, you know what happens to those kinds of people. And like, he's very, um, like, he's got a big ego and he's very sinister and very, just doesn't give a shit about anything that has happened. No, it, this is, I mean, he's past the point of no return and it makes it very clear that like, okay, like this is not going to be resolved in any uh, reasonable way, I guess. Yeah. Like Ar- Arnie is not going to listen. Like he's in a space where like he, re- you know, he can't or won't listen and he's not going to change. So, yeah. you know, something outside of just appealing to him personally is going to have to happen to try and you know attempt to shake him out of this yeah and I think Dennis did attempt that and I really love the um like how genuine Dennis is as a friend and like you said at the start that he really does break that stereotype of that jock trope that we do see in a lot of horror films in the 80s and that he is very different you know like he can still be the handsome football player but still be that really genuine and honest and respectful friend to Arnie yeah yeah he goes yeah he goes way above and beyond to help him because he cares about him that much and Lee too like she could have just been like you're a dick later like I'm the yeah. last girl in school like <laughs> go fuck, yeah, like go fuck yourself <laughs> but you know she does care yeah. and she you know yeah by teaming up with Dennis she attempts to help you know salvage him in some capacity (laughs) so so, um it's so strange because I've noticed a lot in Stephen King um adaptations because I haven't read a lot of his books I do have trouble reading his his books um but he does create some very genuine characters and friendships and even in Carrie with um you know I can't even remember their names um her friends that oh yeah 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 you know her friends that go to the prom with her and just want her to have a good time and then yes, um, it, sue snell is that her name that's sue yeah, yeah. yeah and her boyfriend, her boyfriend tommy yeah tommy that's right like they're very genuine characters as well and even though you know because we're watching it through a horror movie trope lens we're seeing it as oh they're they're disingenuous but they're not stephen king yeah. has created these really um uh, amazing characters that take accountability for what they do yeah I mean that's something that Stephen King is so good at like yeah he's a horror writer and you know science fiction horror writer and stuff and but he is the I mean part of the reason why he's so great and famous for what he does is because of that very reason he's great at writing and making you care about these characters and making them feel really human yeah. and making them like you, you, you're invested in them, you know? Yeah. He's got some crazy ideas and yeah, he, you know, writes some scary stuff, but that's not why he's as famous as he is. Like, yeah. He's as famous as he is because he can blend the two and actually make you like care for what happens to these characters. And I think that Christine is a great example of that. This yeah. friendship between Arnie and Dennis, the relationship between Arnie and Christine, the relationship between Lee and like, just how they all work together 
it's yeah that, I mean that's why the film works as well as it does yeah I'm really I'm reading Dr. Sleep at the moment because I've found that that's something I'm not having difficulty reading and I am so invested in Danny at the moment that I'm just yeah. like I just I don't know what I don't know how he does it like I'm trying to write a story at the moment and I'm like how do I create characters that when my reader puts that book down they still care and are still invested in what happened to them yeah he he does such a good job at creating depth and creating characters that like are you know flawed but they're all the more human because of that like they're not perfect and I think through Arnie we really see that spectrum that you know at any given point he's at various label or various levels of being imperfect you know even when he's like a nerd like you know He's arguably not perfect there either, but you know, you see him go through all these transitions, but the way that it happens, you see him slowly starting to lose more and more of himself and which makes you care when he finally gets to the end, you know, and uh, ends up getting thrown through the windshield. (laughs) Like you you still care that he dies. Like, yeah, yeah, he was a jerk and yeah, he was doing terrible things, but it's the journey that got him there that makes you care that he's dead. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, because we, we want that redemption for him because we are so yeah. invested. We're like, no, we want you back. We want the old Arnie back, like come back. You, you never get it either, yeah. which I think is also something, I think it's indicative of Stephen King that he's like, he's willing to just let that happen. Yeah. Um, I do believe that the ending of the book is different. I do read that somewhere. Yeah. yeah, but I still think the result's the same, that, you know, Arnie does die, and he doesn't, I don't think you ever get that redemption. Like, even in his last moments, like, he could have said something to Lee, but he didn't. Yeah. He's reaching for Christine. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, and there's a certain sadness in that, that he, that's how he went out. He never, the spell never broke. Yeah. And, But I think that, that, yeah, like that says something about Stephen King, that he's willing to let that happen because I think that's a brave move and not a lot of writers, whether they're screenwriters or, you know, literature writers would let their character go that way. Yeah. He's real. He's really willing always to take that risk. And the thing is, it always pays off. There's never criticism for Stephen King killing off these characters. Yeah, that's true. I've never, I mean, there's some people obviously out there that are like, oh, no, Stephen King, not for me. But those who do like horror and do like his writing have never turned around and said, oh, no, fuck you, Stephen King. Yeah, or like that didn't make sense. or like always makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, like it it makes sense. And, you know, that's like tragically, like what, I mean, pretend like Christine is like a real possibility. Like that's (laughs) probably what would have happened exactly you know sometimes there is no happy ending you know sometimes you know that's no secret that Stephen King you know struggled with addiction issues his whole life and you see that fear of not recovering from that you see that appear in a lot of his works and I think Arnie is one of the examples of that kind of cropping up in showing that like sometimes you don't recover like there's a lot of people that lose themselves to addiction forever And, you know, that's basically what happens with Arnie, so. Yeah, and it's so sad that, you know, he's got these last moments with Lee in front of him. And like you said, he reaches for the car. And yeah, 
And I think that also speaks uh, volumes and more insight into Stephen King in things having a hold on you and um, taking that um, autonomy and your your control from you. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. He, Arnie completely and totally loses himself to Christine. You know, so willingly. You know, yeah. there were probably certain points where he could have managed to step away, but unfortunately, that's not what happened in this case no. for him. That's and the thing is, like when when Arnie does die, Lee steps away from the from his body, which is completely normal. And you know, she's having a moment to herself. But Dennis is like, Arnie's dead. We're gonna kill this thing. Like, oh, well, he's taking too, like, revenge now. Like, yeah, and Christine doesn't really give them a moment to like. Like, no. she's not done. She, you know, breathes for a minute and then is like all right and then pulls back out and like tries to like do whatever she's gonna do to the bulldozer yeah because she um regenerates because she's all smashed up and his windscreen's gone and yeah he flew through it so yeah she's kind of like you know kind of like wolverine and like x-men like she can regenerate <laughs> but it does like there is a delay so you know so dennis and lee you know really try to like just make it happen as fast as possible because yeah. that seems to be the only way that they can you know combat her is to do it faster you know smush her faster than she can repair herself yeah which That's i thought was basically what they do excellent i love this scene because oh the yeah bulldozer looks like it's absolutely struggling to overpower yeah. christine and um what I read was that they actually use like a conveyor belt to like suck the car under the bulldozer. I was like, well, that's oh, interesting. That's really interesting. But I love that yeah. the bulldozer is like on top of this. I would have loved to have been driving that bulldozer. Oh yeah, it's Just also kind of because it's it's also one of those things where it's like it's kind of sad because you're like, oh, she's yeah. so beautiful. No, but like... and you're like watching bits like like um, her hubcaps like burst off and yeah her, her headlights are getting crushed and i think she's still playing music at this point yep yeah yeah, yeah. and it's and when the music stops i was like that's it that's it yeah <laughs> it's a very visceral scene those last few moments i mean at one point you even see like her grill is torn open and it looks like she's got like shark teeth almost. yeah <laughs> like i mean it's it's a violent end, you know, because, you know, it's because of, you know, what a car is, the metal and glass and stuff. Like, it's very, you feel it and you hear it and it's not a quiet death. Christine no. does not go out easily. Like, she takes some effort and even then, you know, it's up to the, the viewer, I guess, to decide whether or not she actually is gone or just needs a little extra time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because they cube her and yeah. um well she gets compacted and i love it when they're putting her in the scrapyard and the music mm -hmm. starts playing oh yeah they all are like and they're like the oh fuck? no don't don't fucking start this again yeah <laughs> and, just, and then it's just the guy with the boombox <laughs> i thought that was but, so cool i laughed so much at that because i was like no no you stay in that cube but then you see something like i can't remember what it is exactly but like some uh, part of her in that little cube, yeah it looks like, like a like antenna or something yeah. like starts moving and it's just like oh man she's she just needs back. a little time yeah like she's still in there <laughs> i read um comments on reddit somewhere and it's like christine part two when <laughs> oh yeah i it would love make to see a modern version of it it would be really funny and it would actually like 
I think there would be a way to do it because you could, you could like argue that like, it just took her, yeah, it just took her time. Yeah. And she just, you know, slowly had to like repair all these pieces and like, yeah, she was down for a bit, but like, I don't know. They do that with slashers all the time, yeah. right? You know, like make sure you fit, like they always fall down and somehow manage to always get back up. And I think that Christine could absolutely be that, but. That'd be cool. I'd like to see yeah. another Christine movie it would be an interesting it's it is something like I'm trying to think has there been like another car movie like this Um, I'm sure there has to have been at some but like recently I don't know but maybe we just need more car horror hmm. I think that would be be cool I think it would be really interesting and it's you know yeah it's something that's been done so it would need some some tweaks and some reimagining, but I think it would be really cool if it did. Yeah, I think the last like car horror film that I'd seen, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a a demon truck that was like haunting and stalking people and running people over. I can't remember the name of it. But not Maximum Overdrive, right? No, no. Okay, no. another Stephen King <laughs> likes his possessed cars. Uh, I um, I was actually speaking to, well, I was talking to my grandma about Christine. I was like, you know, I like Christine because it's not Mr. Mercedes because Mr. Mercedes really, the fir- I've only watched the first episode and it broke me. I was like, I can't watch that. Yeah. I cannot watch that many people being slaughtered by a car. Yeah. And then there's, uh, for, what, what else? There's From a Buick 8. Uh, so he yeah he likes his cars he likes cars he likes rock music and I think it's cool that you get to see that like pop up in a lot of his his writing and his films and yeah stuff, but. he's fantastic I'm reading yeah. well I have been reading The Outsider because uh, oh, cool. I really want to watch the TV show because it has Ben Mendelsohn who's an Australian and I can't remember the other guy another actor that I really like and I really want to watch it but I always like to read the book before I watch the show yeah. because then I can't go back and read the book same I'm the same way which is why I have yeah I haven't watched The Outsider for the yeah. same reason and like same thing even with like Nosferatu like you know, I know that's a Joe Hill thing his son but like still I haven't watched it because yeah I like I like to read the book because then you can take note of like the changes and see yeah. how and why things were changed I think that's really fun to like point out all those kind of things so I, I feel yeah. you there it's kind of like I want to see what the original is like before I go and see how someone has interpreted it like adapted that original piece of work yeah and and that way you can tell too like oh this is a great adaptation or like I don't know like where they got this like this is a terrible like it's you know it could be interesting but it could be a terrible adaptation I mean the the shining is the most famous example of that you know yeah Kubrick's shining is you know undoubtedly a masterpiece but it's a not a good adaptation no <laughs> so it's like they're very very different so I think that's really interesting when you can see those two and recognize that you know what was the source material and like what was the filmmaker I think yeah. that's always just so cool I've definitely I watched Dr. Sleep before I started reading it but I'm such a big fan of Mike Flanagan that I was like okay I trust his adaptation of this so I don't mind oh, yeah. watching this before I read it. And oh, what yeah. I've read so far, I think I've read maybe a quarter of the book. I absolutely love it. So yeah, like, okay, I feel good about this. Yeah. Okay. About this decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what a fantastic movie though. I really enjoyed that. That was a, 
thank you for that choice. It was great. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so happy you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now going to go on the Fox on Foxtel. It's got like um, a list of you may also like. Oh, um, nice. Carrie, The Shining, The Evil Dead. Seen all those. The mm-hmm. new Pet Cemetery. I am. Mm. I loved the original, so I'm really apprehensive to watch the remake. So here's the thing with the remake, and then this is what I did like about it because. My personal opinion is like if you're gonna remake something, especially something as classic as Pet Cemetery, remake it. Like do something different. Like I don't want, I don't personally want to see like a shot-for-shot remake of something because it's like I, I, we've already seen that. That this was great. Why would you do that? So what I appreciate about the new Pet Cemetery is that they did do that, and I think the changes that they made it still makes sense and it still fits. It's going to anger a lot of people because it's not in the original and it's not in the source material, but I do feel like they had a lot of care and it. it looks great. Uh, it's got, yeah, you know, I, it, I love it's the trailer. I'm just the like, actors. Oh. Yeah. The actors are great, but go in knowing that it's not the, the same. Okay, great. So as long yeah, as no, you're that, like that, open that, to fine. that, yeah, then no, that's no problem. as long as you're not going to like, be terribly disappointed that it's not the same like I I enjoyed it because I like seeing that as long as it makes sense and is like done with care and yeah you can tell that there was like some you know real thought behind why those changes were made I think that that's great okay cool um because I I like the Evil Dead remake um it is very intense for me yeah because it it like you said it's not a shot for shot remake it's a remake of the concept of the film yeah and yes the original will always be like my one of my favorite films of all time so yeah same thing with like the new Suspiria too like that's what yeah. I love I love like if some I mean something's a classic for a reason like it's not begging for a remake it's great as it is so if you're going to do something like make it worthwhile yeah <laughs> like, do something unique with it so I watched the original Suspiria only recently uh, I didn't know it was about witches and I was just like why didn't I watch this ages ago because I thought it was like something horrific for some I don't know what was on my mind when I thought about yeah. that film um, and I really do want to go in and watch the like the remake but how did you feel about the remake? I mean I loved it because, okay. because it's I mean it's gorgeous and yeah that they do completely change it well not completely but like there's a lot of changes but the, the core of it's still there the story yeah. the core story is still there it still has to do with witches cool. um but <laughs> it's it's a different vision it's not trying to be Dario Argento like you can't yeah compete with that style and you know that moment in time um even you know the goblin score like you can't compete with that so they went a whole other way and like Tom York from Radiohead does the score yeah. so it's like you, you know it's like they're not trying to do the same thing I think you I think you'll like it I think you should okay. <laughs> I might watch it tonight because I've got a couple yeah. of days um where I'm just like not up to anything I'm not recording but my next episode I've got to watch Sinister and I have just been procrastinating because I'm like mm-mm, mm-mm. Sinister is <sighs> such a good movie I know. but it's legitimately scary I just showed yeah. my husband it for the first time not that long ago and even yeah he was like like 
there was a w- one point where he's like, we have to watch this in the, like, I can't watch this before. I'll, I'll be watching bed. it in the day. <laughs> yeah, he was I'll like, I can't do this. Like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> I'm like, it's actually really scary, huh? He's like, yeah, like, I, let's watch this in the afternoon. Like, I can't do yeah. this right now. <laughs> and I am such a huge fan of Ethan Hawke. And I'm like, I'd love to watch it because I love him. And I, the first time I watched the film, I was like, I love him in this film. I love the concept of this film. But it really just scared the living shit out of me. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a classic for that very reason. Like, it's, it's very unsettling, and it's executed so well. And it's, it's a great story. And it's really interesting. And I like Scott Derrickson, I think is such a great filmmaker. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's terrifying as hell. So maybe I'll have to sit with like the synopsis reading it as I go. So I know to prepare myself. Oh yeah, I guess it yeah it depends like how I mean there's there's something to be said about a film that you know especially for somebody that watches a lot of horror like a movie that actually like makes you uncomfortable like yeah that it says so and sometimes it's kind of nice to like remind yourself that like I'm not completely cynical and jaded like I can still get scared <laughs> yeah I'm gonna be watching through my fingers I'll tell you that yeah. much yeah I wouldn't watch it alone if you don't if you can help it the first time I saw it I was alone and that was a bad choice. <laughs> I think the first time I watched it was with my boyfriend at the time and he was like and he's a huge horror movie fan and after that he was like I'm never watching that movie ever again yep (laughs) and I like promised myself I'm never watching that movie again but I will watch it for my podcast so yeah y'all are lucky (laughs) yeah the time when she when the guest picked it I was like okay we can watch that (laughs) yeah (laughs) So before we wrap up, what is the last horror movie that you watched? Um, so outside of Christine, of course. Okay, so I've got a couple. Um, number one, I watched uh, Frozen, the Adam Adam Green film, okay. where snowboarders get stuck on the ski lift. Uh, oh, I was I, watching. Yes. I, I just, that I just, <laughs> it's a great. But I just really wanted something like just fun and easy, you know. Like I was like, it was before I was going to bed and I was like, I just want something kind of mindless and easy. So I watched that. Uh, but I also recently, I watched Impedagore and I also watched um, The Pale Door. Oh, I loved that. What did you think? It was, it was, all right. it was pretty good. I, yeah. I, there were some things about it. I probably would have like, liked to see a little bit here or there, but I think that, uh, what's his name? Aaron, Aaron Moore? Aaron Koontz. Koontz. I don't know why I was thinking more. Um, <laughs> So he's, I think he's done some interesting things and he's a filmmaker that I think will be, you know, going and doing some really cool. I mean, he's already done some cool things. Um, So just seeing him kind of develop as a filmmaker, I think is really interesting. Yeah, I really enjoyed it for for what it was and the concept and witches during, you know, the frontier years. I was like, this is cool because we didn't, we don't have like the Western era here in Australia. Oh, Our colonization is quite young. And so I'm like, that is the thought of like uh you know your cowboys coming across witches and I was like that's yeah. cool I also just watched uh, the mortuary collection um all this stuff has been hitting shutter so that's why yeah. I'm like <laughs> watching it uh, but I had a lot of fun with that I know it's been out for a minute and people have been talking about it forever but I finally just got around to watching it this week and I thought it was so fun it's it I was loved really it really cool anthology Clancy Brown I think is great and everything he's in and it was yeah it was it looked beautiful and it was was so aesthetically pleasing 
Yeah, and I was just I, like, I, I liked eh, that one a lot. As soon as I watched yeah. it, I like messaged my partner in caps lock. I was like, Ned, you have to sign into Shutter. You have to watch the Mortuary Collection right now. So I have someone to talk about with it. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was great. I, I've had a lot of fun. I've been trying to catch up on some of the the releases from last year that I. Oh. I'm, yeah, to, so. I've got, um, I really want to watch uh, Anything for Jackson. Oh, I loved Anything for Jackson. Okay. I, I've i seen it twice now. I, I reviewed it for a film festival earlier, year, I guess, last year. And then recently rewatched it because I did an interview um, with the composer of that film. So, oh, nice. I, and it's, yeah, I love that film. It's just a little indie film, but it's one of those things where it just shows like, you can do so much with so little sometimes yeah. and man the, the lead characters in that are just so great I loved it so much you should definitely check that out okay I've got so much time on my hands over the next couple of days uh I'm yeah that's it's on my shutter list and so yeah. I'm just gonna whack it on I'm gonna try and do some writing um I'm really into mapping out my story at the moment <laughs> So I'm so nervous about starting it. So I'm like on my iPad, like writing notes constantly. So instead of actually even writing. Um, So who knows if this story will even get written. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a planner. Like I love the planning process. Yeah. Cool. So thank you so much for talking about Christine and such an amazing conversation uh, about stuff that, you know, I wouldn't have even thought about with this film. It's, it's so cool to, you know, talk about it with someone who loves it so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, I love this film. I, every time I watch it, yeah, I pick up on new things or think about things in new ways. And I, yeah, I think it's just, I, I consider it one of John Carpenter's best for sure. And it's, it's beautiful. The characters are great. Christine is beautiful. And yeah, I'm thrilled that I got to show it to you for the first time that's so exciting (laughs) I'm so excited now I'm just gonna watch all like the other car movies that are on the recommended for you list now (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, great um where can we find you online if I'm on I'm on all the socials (laughs) uh I'm on Instagram and Twitter on both of them I'm under I'm at uh vinyl girl three r's g-r-r-r-l um yeah so you can find me there i'm lurking about there all the time or you could just look up rachel reeves either way (laughs) someone will find you awesome don't forget that you can find tgif on facebook twitter and instagram at tgif pod if you love the tgif podcast please uh subscribe rate give a review on itunes or anywhere else you get your podcast so you've been listening to us at tgif until next time